Welcome to Masters of Self University Podcast, your highest source of sacred truths and universal wisdom. Hello, beautiful souls. I'm Rachel Fiore, mystic, spiritual teacher, psychic healer, and founder of Masters of Self University. Join our journey of soul transformation as we deep dive into this latest episode. Hello everyone. Before Rachel gets started with today's episode, I just want to make you aware that we are now accepting applications for our Mystical Life Coach certification starting in the second week of January 2024. That's in less than two months away from us right now. So if you are interested in doing what myself, what Ellie and all our amazing other Mystical Life Coaches do, if you're interested in becoming a coach, earning the certification, please join us, follow the link below, fill out the application and jump on a quick consultation with me. I'll see you in another episode. Thanks. Hello, magnificent, beautiful souls. Welcome to Masters of Self University podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Rachel Fiore. So the title of this episode is Eight-Year-Old Cried Over Losing, and here's the big mistake. And I mean massive, massive mistake that adults, caregivers, teachers, parents make when they are raising children. Okay. So I'm going to tell you a true story. This just happened. Um, this is about my niece. I have an eight-year-old niece. She's almost nine. And she just started a new sport, fencing. Can you even believe it? I was shocked. Like, how there? How is there even fencing? I've only ever seen it in the movies. Is this a real sport? And I say that with the fascination of this little girl who's been coming across fencing and then wanting to do it. Just incredible to me. I think it's amazing. And so for a few months, she's been learning fencing. And um, my partner and I, my husband and I, just went to her first like fencing match. I don't even know if it's called a match. I know nothing about fencing. I got my first um, lesson in this sport uh, just a couple days ago. So I'm going to share with you my level of ignorance and the little things that I've learned. It was so, so fascinating. It's so fun to see all these little kids learning how to fence. What a remarkable sport. And so we show up and what happens first is they go through five rounds of like practice where they can score, you know, five points against their opponent. And then that determines their seat of who they're going to compete against for the real, like actual matches or competition. And I'm sorry if anybody knows fencing, I don't know the proper terminology. I know nothing about fencing. <laughs> um, so here's what happened. So my niece is going through her five different matches. You know, we're there for a couple hours watching all this. And, um, she's new to this. She's only been doing it for a few months. So you can imagine an eight-year-old learning fencing, any child learning sports, even if they're very athletic, think about how terrible they actually are when they first learn a sport. It's not like you're, you're good. I, I was a great athlete. I can tell you the very first time at like eight years old that I ever played soccer, like I'm naturally very athletic and yet I was still terrible relatively speaking. I was athletic, relatively speaking. I was also terrible. I didn't know how to dribble a ball. 
You know what I'm saying? So it's a skill that you learn no matter how athletic you are, how good you are naturally. That's easy to understand. It's also easy to understand because of that, that when you're new to something, you're not going to be that great at it, even if you're good at it, relatively speaking, for somebody who's new. Well, she's new at this. And, you know, every time she went up against an opponent, she lost. Okay. Now she scored a point, I think, at least two, if not three different out of her five initial, you know, matches. And one of them, she actually scored four points. She had never scored four points before. It was the most she's ever, ever done. So she did the best she's ever done so far in learning that being new to the sport, learning a sport by her fifth and final pre, you know, sorry, again, I don't know the best terminology, the accurate terminology, but they did all, they did five matches to determine their seat for the actual competition. I hope that makes sense. And in that first five, she lost all five. And by the fifth one, she was having fun great group of kids. They're all really supportive, you know, cheering for each other. Parents were wonderful and supportive, but the fifth one that she lost, she came off and cried. She started crying. Here's the mistake. Now, those of you who are not parents, I hope you're still listening. Stay here. Please don't go anywhere because you have to understand how your programming from your childhood gets put in place. This is really critical. This is how you are programmed when you don't have enlightened parents at a high level of consciousness teaching you and guiding you through your childhood. This is 100% how programs are created. And this is a beautiful example. That's why this is a big mistake. So if you are a parent, listen up, parents. You need to learn this. And if you are not a parent, you still need to listen up because you'll understand your own programming, your unhealed stuff better by understanding what I'm about to share. So she comes, my niece comes off crying because five in a row, she lost five in a row. She wasn't upset prior to that. She was handling things emotionally very well in a very mature way for her age. And then the fifth one got to her. And she just started crying because she lost all of them. Okay. So she comes off, she starts crying, and all the adults around her made the biggest mistake that most adults and parents and caregivers and family members make. They started to try to make her feel better. Don't fucking do that ever again. Ugh. You're going to understand why it's a huge fucking mistake in a minute. Stop trying to make your kid fucking feel better. It's the worst thing you can do. Here's why. So let's understand. I'm going to break it down. They tried to distract her. Oh, but you did good. No, but you're brand new at this. I'm not, I'm not new at this. No, I'm not. In an eight-year-old's mind, she's been doing this for several months. That's like dog years. It's like 15 years for her that she's been doing this, even though it's been like three months maybe, right? You cannot convince somebody who is feeling a negative or sad emotion. You can't convince them to not feel it. You're the crazy delusional one, not them. This is an example of unconsciousness, a lack of consciousness on the adult's part. By the way, let me be very clear before I continue. This is never a judgment. I am never coming from a place of judgment. 
There's no criticism here. There's no judgment. There's lessons to be learned because this is how we fuck our kids up. And this is how we're in our 30s, our 40s, our 50s and older. And we have inner child wounds that are fucking unhealed. And we get triggered and activated in our relationships, romantic and otherwise, as adults in our inner child, our wounded inner child, because we didn't have conscious adults raising us. Do you understand that? Okay. So she's crying and the adults around her immediately. No, but you did good. No, but, but you're new at this. Oh, don't worry about it. Come on. Aren't you having fun? Stuff like that. And I saw that start to do that. And I said, Kendall, come here, come here. I'm sitting on the ground with my big beast of a service dog, Benson. Benson, of course, was with me. So we're sitting on the ground. Benson's laying on the ground. I kind of come here. And I call her over and she sits down next to myself and Benson. And I immediately validated her emotion. Poor thing was crying. She was sad for Christ's sake. Listen to me, everybody on this fucking planet. Our emotions are not wrong. They're not bad. We are humans who are here to feel a wide range of emotion, and it is okay whatever emotion we are feeling in the moment. This little girl was sad. She lost five out of five matches. Holy shit, of course she's fucking sad. I'd probably be sad too if I lost five out of five fucking matches. You're not going to be jumping for joy because you lost five in a row. Getting trapped in the sadness is what we don't want to we don't want to do, but that's a, I'll get there later. One step at a time. One of the ways we don't get trapped in emotion, left unhealed forever, triggering this later in life and our marriage and romantic relationships and friendships, and you're going to understand that better in a few minutes, is by validating the emotion. The emotion isn't goddamn wrong. It is okay that I feel sad. I'm human. Sadness got activated within me. This experience, I lost five out of five, got activated inside of me. I feel sad. It is okay to feel sad. Now, where we teach a child to become powerful in their divinity is to alchemize their sadness. So the very first step is to validate the emotion, no matter what the goddamn emotion is. She's sad. She's crying. I asked her to come. Come here. Come come sit here. She sat down next to myself and Benson. And the first thing I said to her was, it's okay to feel sad about this. And she just looked at me and her eyes got big. That was the first one to validate her emotion, make her emotions real and okay and not wrong. Her resistance to... Remember what one of the adults said was, you're brand new with this. No, I'm not. I'm not. Because in her little mind, see how mental programs, we cannot intellectualize. You don't rationalize. You don't convince somebody to not feel what they're feeling. And that is the big mistake that we make as humans and especially as parents. Stop trying to convince someone to not be sad because literally what we're doing, we are teaching them that feeling sad is wrong or bad. And it isn't. It's fine. It's okay. It's actually healthy. So I immediately validated that I saw what was going on. So I removed her from that. 
And I had her sit next to me and I just said, it's okay that you feel sad. Losing five of them. Oh, that's sad, huh? Yeah. But her eyes got big when I first validated her emotion. I'm like, that's okay to feel sad about that. You're allowed to feel sad and it's okay to cry about that. And the most amazing thing energetically, complete energetic transformation and shift with the simple validation, authentic validation of her emotion. No agenda. I'm not trying to convince her to be anything other than what she is right now. Do you understand this? I'm accepting all of her for how she's showing up, what she is in this moment. That right there is offering divinity. It's divinity seeing the divinity in you. The divinity embracing what you are, all of you, no matter what that is right here, right now. You're sad. It's okay to be sad. I'm right here with you in your sadness. Energetically, that is what you are offering. That is an example of the way of connection. One of the universal ways of oneness, the way of compassion, another universal way of oneness, the way of unconditional love, the way of harmlessness and gentleness. What's harmlessness and gentleness in all of this as the universal ways of oneness? That I'm not making your emotion wrong or bad. I'm not teaching you to ignore to suppress. I'm not dismissing your emotion of sadness. I am powerful enough in my divinity as harmlessness and gentleness, as unconditional love, as compassion. I am powerful enough as the way of connection to embrace you and all of your sadness that has no effect on my energy. I am approaching your sadness with the divinity that I am. This is an energetic vibrational frequency that you become when you become the ways of oneness. This is then what you naturally in the way of wisdom know what to do, how to do, what to say, when, why, how, how to show up for somebody in a moment that they need someone to be divine for them, to teach them and role model for them what it is to be divine. Something as simple as I'm sad because I lost. It's okay to be sad because you lost. And boom, there was an energetic shift. And once the energetic shift, crying immediately stopped. She, her whole body relaxed. And then, and she even looked at Benson. She was sitting right in front of Benson. Benson's a 115 pound Connie Corso. He's massive. His head is like bigger than hers. And she just leaned kind of towards his face and just put her little hands on his big, mastiff, mushy face and pet him. And she was starting to smile. I didn't have to convince her to be happy and smile. I didn't teach her by mistake, unknowingly with a lack of consciousness, to suppress and ignore her emotions. It's not okay to be sad because I'm trying to trick you into being happy instead. Why do we do that? If I'm not powerful to handle your sadness and your emotion, I selfishly make it about me without realizing it. This is what a lack of consciousness means, which means I'm going to try to trick you and distract you and to make you happy and feel better because it makes me feel better. I'm the insecure one around sadness when I do that. I'm the emotional fr fragile one. I have the low emotional IQ when I do that to another being and to a child. Do you understand that?
rewind that back and listen to that again. But when I am divinely powerful, when I am the ways of oneness, I've become the universal ways of oneness, which means I am powerful. I have extraordinarily high emotional IQ. You cannot lack emotional intelligence when you are connected vibrationally to the divinity that you are. You are the way of wisdom. You can't lack wisdom. You have nothing but emotional intelligence, emotional power. When you become the universal ways of oneness, when you become this energetic frequency as your baseline frequency. Do you understand? And that is what you automatically offer to another human being, especially when they need to feel and see the power of divinity so that they can remember the power of the divinity that they have within themselves. Once she felt better, she energetically shifted. I then said, hey, I have a question. She's like, yeah. Did you score points today? Because she's been in practice where she hasn't scored like anything. Yeah, I go, oh, is that something to be excited about? She's like, yeah. I go, okay, I have another question. Did you score four points? Because there's four out of five. Did you score four points in one of them? And she had a big smile. She says, yeah. I go, huh, is that the most you've ever scored? Oh, it got even happier, bigger smile. She was like, yeah. I go, oh my God, do you realize what that means? You did the best you've ever done today. And she got very excited and very happy. I go, oh, this means you're getting better. You're making progress. Are you getting better at this? Yeah. Then we should celebrate. We should celebrate that you're getting better. Now. I want to point something out for those of you who might have a hard time understanding this. Okay. So stay with me. You really need to understand this in order to not do this to your children, to your nieces and nephews, to your students in your classroom, whatever. Okay. Convincing her, well, you did the best you've ever done today, did not come out of my mouth. Until after her emotions were validated, she shifted herself, and then I offered her the way of truth. You scored points today. That's fantastic. You scored the most points you've ever scored. Oh, even more fantastic. Are you getting better? Yes. It was guiding her into self realization. I asked her questions so she could think for herself the real answers, the truth, the way of truth. I didn't convince her and say, well, you did the best you've ever done today. That energy is not a divine open energy. It is a forceful closed energy. And when you learn to deal with subtle energies, that is the only place. Energy never lies. You're coming from a level of truth that is an enlightened level of truth. That is very challenging for the intellectual mind to comprehend and understand, which is why everything that we teach at Masters of Self University, all of our coaching programs that we offer, teach you from day one how to start to read energy and understand energy and how when you interpret subtle energies, you are functioning, beginning to elevate on an enlightened level, meaning at a level of truth where you can't lie. Energy never lies. 
So when I tell you, when you can read the most subtle of energies, that when you're trying to convince somebody of something, you're coming from forced, you're coming from a very closed energy, you will always get a degree of resistance from other people. So when you try to just convince your kids to feel better, be, you know, whatever, get out of their mood, it's coming from control, the energy of control, the energy of force. It isn't coming from an openness, which is why kids and all humans at any age will resist you when you simply try to convince them of things. You think you're coming from good intentions. Fuck your intentions. You follow me long enough, you realize how many times I tell you to go fuck your intentions. Why? They mean nothing. That's why. Energetically, you're not helping anybody. You're coming from the energy of control, convincing, force, closed, very closed energy. You are not open. You are not in divine spaciousness. You are not embracing the person where they're at. You're not powerful enough to do that. They can feel that within you, which is why they resist and push back. When I said, oh, you haven't been, one of the things I said to her then, because I heard what the adults said to her, you, you just started, you're brand new. Her instant reaction. No, I'm not new. Resistance, resistance. She's fucking brand new. She's doing this a few months. But because of the energy that you're coming from, you're going to ignite resistance from the other person. Why? You're not the way of presence in that moment. You lack the way of presence. Because you lack presence, you're not actively listening. You're not embracing her for where she is and what she's feeling. And because of that, you're always going to ignite resistance in the other person energetically. This is how energies work. But I am the way of presence. I am the way of connection. So the way of presence, I'm open to receiving her, all of her. I am the way of connection. I'm connected to my divinity first and foremost, which means I am open and inviting her to connect to my divinity because that energetically is a reminder of her own divinity. In a simple five-minute interaction, this is how much is going on energetically. Now, when we force a child to suppress, let me, let me, di I digress. Let me finish this point first. When I then offered her and asked her questions, right, she was able to think for herself and come up with the answer herself. And then I offered her, well, you know, you haven't been doing this for very long, the way of truth. Zero resistance to that. And yet, just, you know, a few minutes before, no, I have too been doing this a long time. She hasn't. But that was the resistance that she offered instantaneously. I hope you understand now why. And then what unconscious, you know, adults will do in that moment. Yep, you have, it's only been a few months. Ugh. You're the one who's fucking everything up, not the child in this example. If that's your reaction, that's your response to it, right? So understand something. I laid out specifically in detail what I did, and I'm teaching you why it's so critical, the energy I'm coming from. I'm coming from the vibrational frequency of 
presence and and the ways of oneness, right? So because of that openness and embracing her and accepting her for where she's at, her energy shifted so quick, that sadness alchemized so fast. And then she was able to, I was able to ask questions and she was able to answer and see for herself. The answers came from within herself, which is really important for her to realize the truth, which is I haven't been doing this very long. I scored the most points I've ever scored. Oh my gosh, I'm getting better. Wow. And then that's something to feel happy about. And the natural organic raising of the vibrational frequency from sadness to feeling neutral or content or even happy and excited about her progress, becoming the way of presence with herself, becoming the way of truth with herself, becoming the way of compassion for herself, started with validating the emotion and not making her emotion wrong or bad or trying to suppress her emotion. Again, intent, did any adult around her intentionally try to force this little girl to suppress her emotion? No, of course not. They didn't try to do it on purpose. This is why I say, fuck your intentions. <laughs> your intentions mean nothing. Your awareness, your level of consciousness means everything. The quality of your level of consciousness, the quality of who you are as a person, how enlightened are you is what means everything. Okay. Enlightened beings would know in that moment, would be able to see the truth of all things, see where she's at vibrationally, where her frequencies are dropping to and why, and exactly what she needs in that moment, which is a role model to show her, validate your emotion. It's okay to be sad. You want to feel sad right now? Go ahead, cry. Feel sad. There's nothing wrong with that. It's okay to be sad because you lost five in a row. Make sense? But I did not, here's another mistake. I did not coddle her. She is a divine, eternal, powerful being. She doesn't need to be coddled. Oh, cry. It's okay. Cry. That's the other mistake. Separation consciousness means we come from dualistic programming, right? So the other very common mistake parents make, other than what I've just described for the last 25 minutes, is cry, it's okay, oh, it's okay, and you'll coddle, and you'll hug her, nothing wrong with hugging her, you can hug, you can hold her while validating her emotion, it's okay to be sad, I did not lower, oh my god, it's so sad, no, I was the frequencies of the universal ways of oneness, the way of presence says it all. She felt my divinity. I'm not shaken up. I didn't drop lower because she was sad and low. I embraced her with my divinity on an energetic level. Okay. You don't over coddle. That keeps a child weak and codependent on you for their happiness. She isn't dependent upon me. She shouldn't be dependent on any adult for her happiness. She should realize I can, I'm sad and that's okay. I, I need to cry right now. And then I need to connect, connect to my divinity, become the way of connection, become the way of compassion, harmlessness, and gentleness for myself. And when I can do that, I can elevate more into the way of truth and the way of presence, et cetera, et cetera. And I can see that I am getting better. 
I scored the highest points I've ever scored. And that is something to celebrate and be excited about. You see it? Coddling keeps them weak, pathetic, powerless. You disconnect them from their own divinity. And you make them dependent upon you for them to feel better. Stop doing that to your children. She realized after she was sad and embraced her sadness, the sadness alchemized. There was nothing to be sad about again. Not in that moment. I mean, 10 minutes later, she lost her first match. She cried again. And that's okay. She got sad again. She actually scored, if I remember correctly, five points, I think, in, the, in her first actual competition match. And it was a 10-point match. And again, even though she lost that first, you know, for, with her opponent um, in that actual competition, what counted as competition, she actually beat her highest score and did the best that she's done, right? But lost six in a row, technically, you know, and there it is with a child. This is how you teach them to connect to their divinity. She got sad. She cried. You just rinse and repeat. Oh, it's okay to be sad and cry. Cry. That's all right. She gets the crying out. And you teach her to connect to her power, the divine power that she has inside, to embrace her own sadness. You can't do that as an adult, as a teacher, you know, as a family member, as a parent. You can't do that if you don't know how to do that for yourself. And that's the big mistake we make. That's where we fail as parents, as caregivers, whatever, to children. We don't do that for ourselves, which means we have no idea how to teach it to them in real time. No clue. So we make one of those two of the biggest mistakes. Most of what I've described in this episode and then the other one that I just mentioned a few minutes ago, which is the overcoddling, Giving the fucking participation ribbon for every goddamn child. Sorry, that's not divine. That's not powerful. You have to learn that in life, you're going to lose. You're going to fail. You're going to not do well sometimes. Other people are fucking better than you. That's fucking real. Hello, welcome to the way of truth. Stop teaching your children to be pathetic, weak, and powerless by if they simply exist, they get some sort of a fucking award for that. Nope, you're not getting an award. You lost six fucking matches. <laughs> How do we teach our children to be superficial, seeking things outside of themselves? In that five minutes that I had with my niece, she connected to the internal reward. Oh my God, I'm getting better. I'm improving. I asked her, great. So do you think you'll get even better if you work really hard at practice when you come to practice. And she just smiled and was like, yeah. I'm like, are you better today than you've ever been? She was like, yeah. I'm asking her the questions so that she can realize it internally. This is self-realization. I'm guiding her towards self 
realization. Do you see it? Yes, these are little crumbs to becoming an enlightened being when you know how to work with children in this way. Self-realization leads to self-actualization. So self-realization, I ask the questions, oh, well, do you think this or do you think that? I let her think about it and figure it out. And she's like, if I practice even more, I'll probably get better. I'm like, probably will. And I think one of the questions before my time was, you know, done with her was something like, um, I think I asked her, so do you think in the next time you go to practice, you'll be the best one? And she kind of was like, <gasps> mm. like at first wanted to say yes, but then she kind of had to think about that. And she was like, well, no, because like so-and-so is the best one. And that one over then she pointed out who the best ones were. I go, oh, so do you think you'll be better than them next time? She kind of had to really think about that, like as a trick question, but that's how you let them realize for themselves. She's like, I don't think I'll be better than her. And I'm like, why not? See how I keep asking questions and let her think through it and realize herself. Oh, but then if you practice really hard over time, do you think you could get as good as her maybe? Is that possible to get as good as her, do you think? Could be, right? So these are, I'm giving you examples of the conversation I had back and forth. I didn't tell her these things. Stop telling your children. Teach your children. There's a difference. And tell her all these things. It falls on deaf ears. You're not engaging your child in oneness when you do that. You're treating them like an object without realizing it. And you're treating them from a place of separate separation consciousness. You're connecting to them from separation, which is then creating separation programs within themselves. And then the only thing they can do over time is create the program of, well, she's better than me and competition and blah, 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 and on and on and on. And because of that, we have all these programs that we develop in adulthood. We wonder why we sabotage ourselves, why we're stuck in life and why we're fucked. And it's so simple in the moment you have with your children in real time to spend two, three, four, five minutes giving them the questions, letting them self-realize, letting them figure this out and then saying, great. So what do you need to do next practice? Just practice. Yeah. Keep practicing. Good job. Do your best. Work really hard. It's okay. Are you getting better? Yeah. Okay. Then should you keep going and keep practicing? Yeah. Okay. Right? So I hope I've broken this down enough that you can see step by step by step the way that we, if we were enlightened beings, we would be interacting with children and with other people. Okay? This is how we teach our children to become self-realized, which leads them to the path of self-actualized. We have to evolve and become oneness consciousness. Otherwise, the only thing we are ever teaching our children is separation consciousness, and we are dumb and blind to how we're doing it. It's such important lessons here. Okay. So, if you want to learn more, first of all, like and subscribe. Please do that. That helps us get this out to more people. Like and subscribe. Share this with other people you know. Share this with parents. But also, come visit us at mastersofselfuniversity.com. 
Get a free consultation for our coaching programs, what we have to offer, so that you can learn how to read subtle energies in the way that I've described today, so that you can become the way of wisdom and all the ways of oneness, not just with your children. You were a child once. If you still have unhealed stuff, you have to become the mystical parent and go back, reparent, and grow your inner child up to be a powerful divine being. Otherwise, you remain unhealed for the rest of your life, literally. Literally. Because you're not healing your inner child. You're coddling them. You're not teaching them what they need to learn from a place of truth, wisdom, harmlessness, and gentleness for them to become what they need in the moment that they need something. The nurturing, the wisdom, the love, the compassion, the patience, all of the ways of oneness. And this is what you learn in our coaching programs at Masters of Self University. This is what the 20 universal ways of oneness teach you to become an extraordinarily elevated, enlightened being. This is what it looks like in real time, in real life, in your everyday interactions. Enlightened beings don't suddenly cease to exist in human form. You still live in your everyday practical life. This is what it looks like. You still live a human life as an enlightened being. You don't suddenly not live a human life where these things come up. That's what I want you to understand about enlightenment. You want to become fully healed and whole, become the 20 universal ways of oneness. And visit mastersofselfuniversity.com so you can learn how to become the ways. We are here for you, to support you. I hope this episode helped you with your own inner child and with your own parenting if you are a parent. Thank you for listening. I will see you in the next episode. Bye for now, everybody.